We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. Ready for God to speak to you tonight? Just to just to want to check on something, right? Now the state of origin is on. I just want to get it because Paul Paul's from New South, Pastor Paul's from New South Wales, and he cares about it. Now this is how much he loves you. He's here tonight, and this is the only time rugby's good for the entire year. So a show of hands. Is it decided tonight? Is it decided tonight? Who lift your hand if you care? Fantastic. That's that's four more. Four more than I thought we would have. Pastor? Uh, very cool. Very. You good? Are you ready for God to speak to you? Are you ready to have a good couple of days? I think this is outstanding. And, and um, I, I, am, I am genuinely just honoured to be here. Uh, uh, not disappointed, honoured. Honoured. This is, this is, I, I, I've, I've genuinely looked forward to this for a year from when it got Cancelled the first time. Uh, it, you know, I, actually, I would be staying for this whole conference. I, I, I fly at 4:30 tomorrow morning. I get picked up to go to the airport, and I'm heading to the U.S. tomorrow. And uh, literally, as we were looking at these dates, I was making sure this was on so that I wouldn't miss tonight, and we can go tomorrow. Because, because I, I really, really want to be a part of this, and partly because I believe in what we're doing with this conference, and I. Darren and Kerry, we love you guys, and I love this church. And can we honour the pastors of this incredible church, and pastors to many of you guys, and an inspiration to us all. And, and I mean, I mean that. I, I I remember coming and preaching. What was the church? You know, the church hall. Where are we? There is it there that way? And uh, and I I love that night. I remember I remember coming. I've been up numbers of times when I was a youth pastor, but coming to speak to the church. It was generally for me just just incredible to come and just sense the presence of God and the hunger of people and meet so many of you that we've done lots of things together through in this room, both from other churches, part of this church. And, and uh, what you've done here is significant. I believe what you've built here is literally a lighthouse that is an example for the rest of Australia and how you, you, you if I can, you never settle. You, and that's what we wouldn't get to tonight, just believing that God's got fresh ideas, things that can be done differently, uh, uh, Holy Spirit given imagination to be able to say, what can we have that is not just good, but is the best thing that's in town? You know, it's the best thing in the region. And I think that's what you guys have done. And, and I'm, I'm graced to be part of a, a, a large church that, that I didn't build. There's some, our church is 100 years old this year. You know, there's some legends uh, that have been part of the church that I'm a part of. I tell you, I walk in here and I'm inspired. I'm taking photos. I'm stealing ideas. Uh, um, I literally stole some things that are in the car now. And uh, you know, I, just, uh, I just think this is incredible what this church is doing. And it is because it has incredible leaders that have amazing legacy and are doing just the most amazing things. And I just think you guys deserve honor and uh and i'm so blessed to be able to be here so can we honor these guys one more time this is and everyone putting this on thank you and and and, and i genuinely wish i was staying to to hear all of what everyone's got to share it's going to be amazing electives by the team and all that and past past palsy speaks tomorrow honestly i would think without a question the leading voice into community and community transformation and a processing and thinking and activation of that so tomorrow i want to encourage all of you from pastor to part of the community i believe there's going to be god ideas that drop into your spirit that aren't just there to be ideas they're there to be you know thought on activated you know sometimes you look at mary in, in scripture uh, god wanted to do something impossible through her so he impregnated jesus into her it was a spirit impregnation that that had to be carried with expectation she was expecting and, and before she could see the miracle happen. I believe God's going to just put something in your spirit that in the next little bit you're going to have to carry with expectation. And even though there'll be ideas that seem impossible, what's important about a conference like this is Mary got around Elizabeth, who was someone else that was carrying supernatural expectation, too old to have a baby. Yet somehow when they got each near each other, the expectation in Elizabeth jumped because she got around the expectation in Mary. I reckon as Pastor Paul begins to speak, there's going to be ideas that get in your spirit. And after this conference, you're going to get around one another pastors you're going to meet other pastors from regional areas and something's going to get in your spirit and there's going to be a jump and in the future when we gather again because 
I just believe this is not a once-off conference. I believe God's going to do this again. I believe God's going to use things from this. As we get around each other, I believe there's going to be an expectation that grows on the inside of us. And one day you're going to be holding in your hands the miracle that God planted right here at this conference. So come with a ready spirit just to say, yes, God, whatever you want to do, because God's going to do something amazing. Amen? And then tomorrow we got... Pastor Josh from Murray Bridge is going to be speaking, and uh, if you've never heard, if you've never met Josh and Belinda before, they are the most beautiful people that you will ever meet. And I believe the reason they have such an incredible church is because of the type of people that they are. There's people that are just great leaders, but not only great leaders, they're just great people. And I don't know if they're sharing their story or part of it, but they have such an open heart, and with that, such an open house. That literally is a reflection of who God made them to be, which has made their church such an open church to the community. These are people that literally have a passion for restoring, healing, and setting up and releasing the next generation. And that's a picture of what God does constantly through their church. So again, as you hear them speak in the next few days, God's going to inspire. God's going to reveal. God's going to give you ideas. God's going to awaken hearts tonight in the same way that God's awoken their heart to the lost and broken. There's going to be hearts are awoken to the lost and broken in the next few days come ready and expectant with a ready ear to hear what God's got to say because he's going to speak prophetically through Josh he's going to speak practically through him and I promise if you catch what's on their life whether you're a pastor or part of this church or part of other churches I promise something will change you that changes your world amen very cool so got a good few days ahead and we're here a year later you know, a year ago, the spicy cough went around and a week before this was about to happen, it all came to a, to a sudden halt. And, um, you know, that happened to a lot of our churches and it happened to a lot of our businesses and it happened a lot to a lot of our lives in the next few years. Kind of reminds me about the day I finally got my license and was able to go for a drive for the first time. You see, as any young male does, they, be- they were waiting for the day of getting the license and going for a drive. I, I waited from about the age of 12 to get my license. I counted down the days as, as a lot of guys do, thinking, you know, the day's coming, I want to get that car, have some independence, mostly because I wanted a girlfriend. And uh, I, I remember getting on my, you know, my old PlayStation back in the day and playing Gran Turismo, practicing. Uh, about 14, I got the driver's manual and would start learning all the road rules because the day was coming when I would turn 16 and get my license and get a girlfriend, and, and, and um, it got to the day before I turned 16, and I'd been practicing, I'd made a mixtape, do you remember those back in the day, some of you wouldn't even know what I'm talking about, but uh, you know, I had a mixtape ready made, and, and I went to mum and dad, and I said, tomorrow's the day I turn 16, I'm ready to do my test, my dad was a police officer, and my mum is Chilean from South America. And when you combine them, it's a cocktail of fear. And uh, I go to mum and dad and said, I'll get my license tomorrow. And they said, Josh, we've talked about it. We're going to make you wait another two years before we let you get your license. Yeah, mine's a story of overcoming. And, um, and uh, so, so I had no... I had no, I had no choice again the fear thing and uh, so the next two years uh, I'd by then you know I'd, I'd, I'd now got Need for Speed I was practicing that on PlayStation 2 and um, I'd got the refresher of the manual I was learning and and uh, I'd now update upgraded my mixtape I just got some more fresh songs on there and and the day came and I turned 18 and and I was able to finally go take my learners and I went in there there in Mobry North and did my test and I passed the course I flipping did I've been studying for four years and uh and and then I, 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 a year, six months went by. I did all the, you know, the practice, all the rest. Went, did the final driving test and passed that and went to my dad and, and said, Dad, it's time to hand me the keys to the car. And we had a big Ford station wagon. We called it, it was yellow. We called it the big banana. I said, Dad, it's time to hand me the keys to the big banana. And my dad was like, Josh, I just reckon we just got to wait just a little bit longer. And I'm like, no, nah, come on, come on, Dad. Father, Glenn, hand me the keys to the big banana. And Dad said, you can go for one lap. 
And I was desperate. I'd take anything, right? I was like, okay, Dad, one lap, one lap, lap around the, the big block, and that, that's it. No worries. Four intersections. Here we go past the keys. So we went out the front, and, and my brothers were there, and they were like, take it sidewards. And my dad was like, if you take it sidewards. And, and my mum was praying in tongues or speaking Spanish. We could never tell. And... Uh, and, um, and so uh, I put my mixtape in, super Christian home. So it was like Ron Cannoli, Amy Grant, and uh, I slipped in there Mariah Carey's Christmas album. And um, I put it in there and blew by Eiffel 65. It was the one, anyway, if you know, you know. And uh, so I, I put it in, I, I went around the block, first intersection, turn right, no worries, get to the next intersection, wait for my green light, turn right. You know how it works, you've probably driven. And... Um, and I get to the last intersection before I come home, and I'm waiting in the light lane to turn right, and, uh, and the light goes green. And I went into the intersection, as you should do, and it's there as I literally pulled into the intersection. I sensed the presence of a vehicle on my right coming in my direction. And as I look to my right, as I've correct, correctly pulled into the intersection, I say there was a vehicle because it wasn't a car. Going through the intersection was the oldest man you have ever seen driving a truck. And this man went through a red light and literally took out the front of my car. It's a squash banana. <laughs> and literally, oldest man you've ever seen. Like, guys, thank you. God, you live in regional areas because driving around the streets of Adelaide is Methuselah. And he's dangerous. And, 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 and so I pull my car into the medium strip and I go out to see if he's okay. Of course he's okay. He'll live forever. And, uh, and I get to my car and I ring my dad. I'm like, Dad, Dad, how are you? And he's like, what's wrong? I said, can't a son just ring his dad? And he said, not today. I said, Dad... I love you. And I told you you were a wise dad for making me wait an extra two and a half years before I could get my license. I thought it was abuse, but actually it was correct. Well done. And he's like, Josh, are you okay? I'm fine, dad. Have you been in a car accident? No. It was a truck. <laughs> Managed to get the car home, Justin, and got out the front and I handed out the keys thinking it's over. My driving days are done. Single for life. And, uh, and, I, and, you know, my brothers were like, you took it sidewards, mum, Spanish tongues, whoever, whatever. And, and, and I thought my dad was, it was over. <laughs> he said, come on, I made a call. Get back in the car. We're going to go to get this thing fixed. Last few years, a lot of dreams, a lot of ideas. Last year we were going to start. And it was like we were just about to get around the block and a truck with the license plate COVID-19 came through the intersection, seems to take out conference, seems to take out ideas, seems to affect the church, seems to really, if I can, for a lot of us, makes life difficult, robs our joy. I just want to talk to you tonight about the fact that God wants to give you joy back. And what he's going to do over these next few days, he's going to help you to dig some wells of which there's going to be a new source of living water that's going to not only see you get through the next season, it's going to help you to thrive through the next season. All I want to do tonight is to encourage you, inspire you, and position you so that you can, one, know that God's got, excess, he's got abundant joy for your life and your church and your ministry. Because if you're a pastor here, the last few years have been weary. Whether This is a safe place to be able to say it. we can be exhausted. It hasn't been, it hasn't been that easy. And if you run a business, if, you, if you've been leading your family, if you're here today, you know what it is to walk through those years and come out maybe with a limp. But I believe God wants to give you joy back. And I believe there's new wells of living water that He wants to give into your life so that you can see fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and lasting fruit in this next season in Jesus' name. Amen. So why don't we pray, Father? Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you love this church. You love our churches. You love your church and you love your people. So speak to us. Reveal things to us and let us attune our ears and have expectation from tonight that in the next few days something supernatural is going to happen. But for every person here tonight, I pray refreshing of the Holy Spirit upon their life that, Lord God, they would walk out of here with joy and strength in your name. And everyone said, Amen. Hey, by the way, this is Pastor David Begley. This is my campus pastor from Mount Barker campus. Can we welcome here tonight one of my great team? and. I do love what we're doing. I, I tell you, before we had uh, churches in, in regional areas, I never realized how much joy they would give me as a leader. And I, honestly, I, 
we've got paradise, which is like it's abnormal. Like it's just an incredible, amazing God place. Like you go, how did it happen? It was God. You know, there's a lot of leadership and things that happen, but it's God. But I tell you, when I go to my, when I go to talk to different pastors about our church, they'll always ask about paradise. I tell you, the two campuses I always talk about first are Clare Valley Campus and our Mount Barker Campus. Our regional campus, because I genuinely think regional churches have a great, proportionally, literally can transform a, a community. It's way harder to do that in the city. So hard to make a splash. But when you come into a regional area where there's community, where people know each other, where there can be, if I can't, there's points of lack in which the church can fulfill, provide, and be the answer, where you, you, the, there's no, it can't be fake. That no one will accept it. There's no show because people don't want it. And you be able to be who God's called you to be, but be who that community needs. I love this, and I love the heart of this, and I believe God's going to spy the next few days. In fact, I believe God wants to give you fruit. And I want to show you this again, just remind you of what John 15 says, and it's, I believe, prophetic. In John 15, 1 to 2, and put it on the screen, Jez, it says, where you see the bold, say it with me, you know, just love preaching together. So he, Jesus says, I am the true grapevine and my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. It goes on. But if you remain in me, my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it'll be granted and then you will produce much fruit. You are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. Then the last part it says, we go on, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Someone needs to hear that tonight. There's a pastor tonight that wonders, do I keep on going, keep on leading, keep on pushing? No, you didn't choose to do this. God chose you to do this. Keep on going. He says, I chose you and I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so my Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. He says, you have fruit. More fruit, much fruit, and lasting fruit. So if you're here and there's been a fruitful season, but there's been a cutback season, that's called pruning. He actually says that if you want to have more fruit, you'll be cut back. It's not cut, cut off, it's cut back. It's part of God's plan. If it's been a desert season, if it's been a waiting season, if it's been an in-between season, I want to prophesy over tonight, God's a God that gives you fruit, and then He gives you more fruit. And then He doesn't leave it there. He says, when you've got more fruit, I'll give you much fruit. And then it goes to verse 16, and he says he'll give you lasting fruit. So he says, fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and lasting fruit. The promise of God for your church, your region, your family, and your life is that God's not finished with you yet until there is a fruit that lasts that no one can take away for you from you. So if it's been a waiting season, if it's been an in-between season, I declare there's a season of fruit that is coming in Jesus' name. And as you remain, as you abide, as you sit, as you wait in His presence over these next few days, I believe from the vine is going to go to your branches, the answer, the life, the ideas, and the supernatural inspiration that you need. Amen? But what, what's the fruit? What's the fruit for you? Well, Jesus gives us the answer right here in the middle. And it's different because sometimes we'll say, oh, well, the fruit is, is people. And it is, for sure. And the fruit is souls, and it is. Or the fruit is influence, for sure. But he makes it clear in verse 11. He says, I've told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy, and your joy will overflow. The fruit that God wants for your life and the very thing the enemy tried to rob from the church in the last few years is joy. And as you have fruit, and even in the in-between seasons of no fruit, I want to tell you, God wants you to have joy. So let's go back and have a look at what is Jesus talking about. Verse 15, chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus gives an idea of the type of fruit he's naturally referring to. He says, I am the true grapevine. Okay, so he's talking about grapes. Now, when you look in, uh, 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 in Bible times, what would grapes primarily be used for? It'd be used for making wine. And for the Jews in their, in their typology and language, whenever they would see wine, wine always represented joy. So he says, I am the true grapevine and the fruit of what you have in your life when you remain and abide in me is joy. And there is no better example of this than at the wedding of Cana. So Jesus goes to a wedding at Cana and the wedding, you have to understand, a wedding is a picture of the church. It's always a picture of the church. He started his, his ministry at a wedding and it will finish with the wedding supper of the Lamb. It's where the bride and the groom come 
come together. When you see a wedding, it's a picture of you and me, and it's a picture of his church. He loves his church. He didn't just give his life for individuals. He gave his life for the church. He's not coming back for a believer. He's coming back for his church. He loves his church. So he sees a church that is there meant to be in celebration. And in John chapter 2, verse 3, it says, you know the story, they run out of wine. It's a picture of the church that's run out of joy. It's a picture of relationship with Jesus that's run out of joy. You know, I believe the key to a healthy church, Acts tells us in chapter 13, it says, and they were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. A church that's filled with joy and the Holy Spirit is one that has strength. You see, pastor, you might be here and you might have fruit, but no joy, and you'll be exhausting for your church. But if you have fruit and joy, you'll be exhilarating for your church. The truth is, you won't make the journey if you don't have joy. That's why Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. What food is to a body and fuel is to a car, joy is to a spirit. And if you don't have joy in your life, you eventually begin to stutter through life, stutter through a marriage, stutter through leadership, because God gave joy into your life to be the very thing that gives you strength, because joy is not happiness. Happiness is based on happenings. There'll be good happenings and poor happenings in your church, your community, and your marriage, your family. But joy isn't based on happenings. Joy is based on Jesus. And He is the same yesterday today and forever, which is why my branch is attached to His vine. What flows into my life is joy that gives me strength, whether it be in the fruitful season or in the waiting and cutback season. God planned that you would have joy. Now, leader, it's so easy in these last seasons, if we're honest, to lose our, to lose our joy. I mean, there's, there's people that we relied on in the past church season. They didn't come back. Attendance changed. We were doing church on lot. Like we never got in church to just talk to a camera. We wanted to be around people. It's hard work we didn't sign up for. Offering drops. People come less often. They used to come if they have the flu. Now they isolate for seven days. Leader lets me down. What happens is you get through and you can push through, but you lose your joy. Now in 2018, I ran out of fuel in my car nine times. <laughs> nine times, Darren. Pastor Darren. Nine times. I had to call a different friend or staff member to come and get me every time because I was so embarrassed. And it turns out there's a gossip culture in the church because everyone found out. And because what I would do is I would, I, would, I would be going to a meeting, a destination. I'd tell myself I've got just enough fuel to get me to the next place. And when I got there, I'd tell myself, I've got no time to fill up. I, just, I got just enough fuel to get me to the next meeting. But the truth is, I wouldn't have enough to get to the next meeting. It's what so many of us do. We tell ourselves, you know, I, I, I'll, get to the next, I'll get to the next season, it'll get easier, and I'll fill my tank up. I'll abide and wait with God. And, and I, you're doing this this week, so c- congratulations to you. But too many of us run too fast, try and achieve too much without the actual source of our strength that's found in Jesus that gives us joy. So I'd have people that, that would get in my car, friends would get in my car when I'd drive, and they'd sit in the passenger seat and lean over to check my, my gauge <laughs> to see if we had enough fuel to get us to the day. I had people get in my car with jerry cans, just in case, uh, because they didn't know if I was going to make it. I'd say, leader, sometimes people might look at us and wonder, are we going to make it? Because we can turn up every week, but if we don't do it with joy, every time we stutter, every time something goes wrong, they're wondering, are you going to have the strength to keep on going? What happens when you start to lose your joy? It doesn't matter if you're a pastor, a, a leader, a parent, a mom or dad or whatever. When you start to lose your joy, you start avoiding phone calls. Can we just be real tonight? Let's set this up. Because that, that, you, you, you struggle to hold other people up because you're just trying to keep yourself up. You begin to get ruled by deadlines and the next weekend rather than the possibilities that God wants to reveal to you today and the next week. You start to worry too much about the future rather than enjoying where you are right now. When you lose your joy, you actually end up despising other people that have joy and you justify why they have it or why they shouldn't. We get critical. 
We get offended too easy. We stop living in grace and take back control and anxiety. And you know what happens, leaders? We become intense. I'd say, have you ever had an intense person pray for you? Like, honestly, it's not fun. I've taken a fake dive pretending there's Holy Spirit when an intense person prays. Like I'm trying to slip a mint in their mouth as they're praying for me. Have you ever had an, seen an intense person in worship? They're like, like you're like going to do a hernia or something. Like, or had ever heard, seen an intense evangelist? Like no one's following that guy. You know what people, people don't want to follow the intense person. They want to follow the passionate person. And do you know what the difference between a passionate person and an intense person is? The intense person is a passionate person that lost their joy and and some of our marriages have gotten intense some of our uh, some of our parenting has gotten intense some of our relationships have gotten intense and some of us pastors and leaders we've got intense when we've lost our joy and, and what people want to follow is people that are filled with passion it wasn't i mean it wasn't the intensity of the christ it was the passion of the christ i mean we we look, say things like he in hebrews 12 verse 2 he endured the cross can i tell you, you were never meant to endure leadership. You were never meant to endure the hard times. You were never meant to endure your devotions. But instead, it's not what it says. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. See, do you have to, you have to go through some tough times. You'll go through some in-between seasons. You'll go through some cutback seasons. But it's the joy of the Lord that gives you strength to walk through the difficulty so there can be fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and lasting fruit on the other the side. Jesus this week wants to give you back your joy as you abide and wait. He wants to fill your tank. He wants to spark your imagination. And it comes from waiting, abiding, and resting, and just saying, Holy Spirit, maybe just a little bit in the last few years, I've taken control. I've got into survivor mode. I've just tried to get through. And I want to get out of the rut I've been in and start to dream again and start to prophesy again and start to imagine again and start to see what I've never seen before. Holy Spirit, as I abide and wait and rest. It's not work. It's not strategize. It's not network. It's get into a position where you abide or remain or a quivar. As Isaiah says, those who wait upon the Lord, the word quivar means to get on the edge of your toes because something's about to happen. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Where does your strength come from? The joy of the Lord is your strength. As you abide with the vine, as you wait on Him, your joy's coming back. Your strength's coming back. And when your strength comes back, you're going to have the ability to get to the next season where God is going to show you fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and lasting fruit in Jesus' name. Amen? So what does Jesus do? Jesus does something over the top. Jesus doesn't do something small. Jesus does something ridiculous that actually messes with our religious mindsets. Let me show you. They've run out of wine. And wine represents... Very, we can get this. They run out of wine, and wine represents joy. Okay, super. So it says this, going to do some maths. John 2, verse 6 to 7 and 9, it says, Nearby stood six, everyone say six, six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Notice this. Jesus said, I, your joy will be filled. In fact, your joy will overflow. Jesus doesn't want to give you knee-deep joy or waist-deep joy. He wants to fill your joy to the brim. He wants to fill your spirit to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned to wine. And we know the rest of the story. He said, why did you save the best wine for last? So, when you take the numbers that are right here in the story, six stone water jars, each holding 20 to 30 gallons, and you convert it to liters, and then you put it into the average size of a wine bottle today. Somewhere after the speeches, Jesus made in excess of 800 bottles of wine. 
Now, some of you, some of you are, are questioning the maths. Well, well, and not my Jesus. He wouldn't do that. I have a conservative Jesus. I have a responsible Jesus. Uh, uh, but he puts the numbers in here because he knew that you would question what he was doing. You might say it's too much, but this is the point of his mission. Do I forgive them seven times? No, forgive them 70 times seven. Am I able to do this? No, you're more than a conqueror. His grace is excessive. It's all-sufficient grace. It's joy unspeakable. Jesus is making a point that the church, the wedding is a picture of the church. It's a picture of a church that's lost its joy. And he is making a point that when you come to church, when you lead a church, when you're part of this church, there will never ever be another relationship that matches the relationship you have when Jesus turns up to your church, your marriage, your family and your community. It's meant to run over with wine. It's meant to be more than enough. It's meant to be joy unspeakable. It's meant to be excessive grace because that's the point of his mission. That joy, that, that grace that later we'll see in the, in the Last Supper, that the wine now represents his blood and his blood now represents grace. He's making a point that my grace is sufficient, that my joy is more than enough. And I don't want you to have an ordinary, watered down type of church, but instead I want you you to be so filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit that there is no other wedding that compares to the wedding that Jesus turned up to. Come on, can you imagine this? There would have been other weddings. Now, they would have been good weddings. But can you imagine people talking, going, that dancing's good, but do you remember the dancing at the wedding that Jesus turned up to? Can you imagine the dancing at a wedding with 800 bottles of wine? Can you imagine the expressions of, I love you. Can you imagine the laughter? Because when people have experienced in your community what God wants to do in you and your church, they will go to the football club. They'll go to hockey for those that can't play football. They'll, uh, they'll, they'll, go, and they'll, they'll go to the local pub. They'll go to wherever they go. But whatever the dancing, whatever the singing, whatever the laughter, whatever the stories, they were meant to say there was no experience I had like the experience I had when I went to that church and where I sensed the presence of Jesus. Because he doesn't want this to be ordinary. He doesn't want this to be plain. He doesn't want to be watered down. He wants to do something supernatural in your life, in your marriage, in your example, and your church in Jesus' name. So can I show you something for a moment? It's going to change tack, but in the same flow. What was the servant's responsibility? Because the wine wasn't their responsibility. They had to pour. It's in the pouring that the wine turned. But the servants had what a responsibility? It was to get fill it up. To fill the jars up with what? With water. Now, we'll go to the moment, the new wine, new Holy Spirit. But water represents Jesus, life. And the responsibility of the servants was to fill the jars to the brim. What's your responsibility? It's to fill yourself to the brim so he can turn what is ordinary into supernatural joy. So let me show you something for a moment. We're now going to go back to Genesis. It says in Genesis 26 verse 1, story of Isaac, it says, now there was a famine in the land. It goes on in this famine, there's a dry season, it's an in-between season, it's a valley season. We've got all the Christian analogies. Hey, it's the valley of the shadow of death. It's a famine. It's COVID. It's annoying. It's, 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 we're still on the way back. It's not a fruitful season. But it says here, Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. I tell you, it might feel right now that you're planting seeds in a famine season or the last few years you were planting seeds in a famine season. But when you sow in faith, God does what only he can do and there will be a hundredfold harvest in Jesus' name. The man became rich until his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. Isaac sowed in the day of famine and God rewards him a hundred times. He sows in faith. And I just want to commend you. You turned up because you've still been sowing in faith. You're still here because you're sowing in faith. The last few years where you couldn't see literally any more than four people in your building at times, you sowed in faith. I tell you, God sees it. But it doesn't mean that there won't be dry seasons. 
It goes on, he acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats and herds of cattle that the Philistines became jealous of him. So here we go. So the Philistines filled up Isaac's wells with dirt. See, what happens is the enemy knows that you are favored. And can I say the favor of God is something that you don't deserve. It's not something that you earn. It's something that's given to you. Sometimes we're like, I get a car park at the shop's favor. You know, there's not many traffic lights, but I got a lot of the green ones favor. I'd say, favor is not something you, ha- you earn. What happened at the exchange of the cross? It wasn't just Jesus took your sin. It was that he gave you his favor. Before he did anything for the Father at, at his baptism, the Father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. What does that mean? The Father was saying, see him? He's my favorite. <laughs> and so at the cross, it wasn't just they took your sin. It was an exchange where he took your sin and you got his favor. And the enemy knows he can't stop your favor. But what the enemy tries to do, and listen to this leader, is he tries to stop your flow. So what you need when you're a branch connected to the vine is you need flow. You need a flow of the Holy Spirit. You need a flow of revelation. You need a flow of joy. And so the enemy knows he can't take Isaac's favor, so he throws dirt in his wells to try and stop his flow. A few years ago, uh, Shans and I, in one weekend, went out and we did all of our Christmas shopping. Bang! One weekend. We nailed it. That, that, that was a good weekend. And then uh, and we came home that, that, that Sunday or Monday. It was a Monday. Sorry, it was a Monday. And, uh, and Sean's put the shopping down and high-fived, well done. Look at us, nailing life. And, and at night, my job was to always take the bins out. It's part of what I do, right? And, uh, and uh, so I took, I took the bins out. Now, each, each Monday night back then, now Tuesday, doesn't matter, and uh, it's just detail. And um, Sean's would take the rubbish from the front door and she would, from sorry, take the rubbish from the kitchen and she'd put it on the back of the front door. And I would walk out and get the rubbish bag and put it in the bin and then the rubbish would go. And um, the next, so Shans did this, and, and I thought, and so the bins have to get taken out. So I get the bags from the front door and I put it in the bin. And the next day, Shan says to me, Josh, have you seen all the Christmas shopping? And I said, what did, what did you do with it, Shana? And she said, I put it on the back of the front door. I said, yeah, I've seen it. It's gone to Christmas heaven. She's like, what? And I said, Christmas heaven? Now, can I ask you a question? Because she's not here. <laughs> Whose fault is that? Let me tell you who I, oh, what I believe. This Shana's fault because she put him on the back of the front door. But I tell you that next Saturday, who had to go and do all of the Christmas shopping on his own? This guy. This guy. Isaac, maybe the keys can come. <laughs> we'll get near the end. Right, just the keys is fine. Uh, Isaac, Isaac has a well of water, and the enemy comes and puts dirt in his wells. So you know what Isaac doesn't do? Because he knows the flow of water in his life is actually the source of life, is actually where he's going to resource and feed his crops and his, his animals and his family. And Isaac is not just going to look at a well that's now got dry and got muddy with dirt thrown in it. So you know what Isaac does? Isaac goes and he digs another well. You see, when the enemy comes to try and dry you up, he can't take away your favor, so he tries to stop your flow because he thinks if you can't get a good flow that you're not going to be able to keep on going. But Isaac knew something, that the well wasn't his source. It was the reservoir that was under the ground. You see, the well was merely the tap. The well was merely the connection between where he was and the reservoir that was under the ground. So he didn't get focused on the buildings or the, or the season or what was going on or the frustration because he knew the source of life wasn't the well. He knew the source of life was the reservoir that the well was attached to. So Isaac doesn't stay there. He doesn't think it's a limitation on flow. It's just that the water's got a little bit muddy. There was no water restriction. The water was just another dig away. And this is what I believe God's going to do in this conference. Maybe the last season you've got dry. Maybe Maybe your wine's turned to water. Maybe the flow's stopped. Maybe you've got through just doing and going through the motions and just surviving the last season. And maybe you feel like God's taking His favor from your life, from your business, from your marriage, from your 
church. But I'll tell you, you never earned your favor, so you can't lose your favor. It's just a flow issue. It's just a positioning issue. And he says, when you abide and remain with me, then, there, I'll give you fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and lasting fruit. Sometimes you're going to feel like all I got is a jawbone of a donkey in front of an army. But God puts his supernatural power on that and he can do something incredible. Something, you see, might be here going, God, I just need an idea from heaven. And he might just give you something, the size of a, a cloud the size of a man's hand. But I tell you, the moment you get that thing, start running because there's rain coming. There's breakthrough coming. There's answers coming. And as you run in faith and sow in faith, as you dig your wells, I believe something supernatural is going to happen in your town, in your community, in your church in Jesus' name. So Isaac moves on. It says there in verse 20, but then shepherds from, we'll put it on the screen if we can, verse 20. says, it's coming. If not, I'll read it. It says, but then shepherds from Guerrero came and they claimed the spring. I don't know how to say it. This is my water, they said. And they argued over it with Isaac's herdsman. So Isaac named that well Esek, which means argument. Do you know what Isaac does? He, dig, he has a well. It gets filled with dirt. He digs another well. And now they come and they fight him for it. And he calls it argument. Do you know what Isaac goes and does? He moves on and he digs another well. He calls it an argument. He doesn't over-spiritualize it. He doesn't call it a demonic attack. He doesn't call it about a, you know, a betrayal from a friend. He just calls it for what it is. Sometimes you've got to call it for what it is. It was a flu. It was a hard season. It was a tough time. It was an in-between. Stop overthinking it. Stop over-describing it. Stop overriding about it. There's times where you have to heal and reflect, but there are times to move on and dig another well because the source isn't where you were. The source is the reservoir of living water under the ground. I mean, sometimes we can over-spiritualize this. It was a pandemic. It was two years out of 40 years of ministry. It was an in-between season. But we're here now, and the, the well is not my answer. The living water is my answer. So I'm going to dig again. I'm going to move again. I'm going to go again, because it's not about this patch. It's about the coal that's on my life, and the one that is my source, and his name is Jesus. So verse 21, Isaac's men then dug Another well. But again, I mean, this feels like what ministry is like. Again, there is another dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. I mean, that sounds like 2021. Anti-vax versus vax. Government, people that love, people that don't love. I mean, it's just about hostility. And sometimes we're like, can't people just get on the same page or can't they get on my page? But it's not about being right. And the moment you get hostility, don't fight the ones with hostility. Get a prophetic vision again. I mean, you look at Moses. Moses had to get to the edge of a mountain to get prophetic vision. And Elijah had to get to the edge of cave. And Abraham had to get to the edge of his tent. And Joshua had to get to the edge of camp. And maybe you've come to the edge of yourself and you're like, I don't know what's next, God. But maybe God allowed you to get to the edge of where you are to position yourself here in these next few days to get prophetic vision again. So maybe not everyone gets what you're doing. And maybe not everyone seems to be in your corner. And maybe in ministry, there's days where you feel alone. But I want to tell you, it's just hostility. It's just an argument. It's just some dirt. Go dig another well, because there's a source of living water for you, your family, and your church in Jesus' name. Dig again. Forgive again. Believe again prophesy again. See again what God has for you. God's not finished with you yet. His favor is not removed. Get to the edge of where you got to get to and begin to get a prophetic picture. That's what I believe he's going to do. Then it finishes. Abandoning that one. Isaac moved on. There's a word for some of us today. We're still talking about the last few years. Move on. Still talking about the frustrations. Move on. Start talking about the person that said no. Move on. There's a source of water. He moved on and dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named that place Rehoboth, which means open space. 
I believe this is a season of open space. I believe this is a season of open doors. This is a season of open heaven. I don't think we go through what we go through without God doing something incredible on the other side. What the, en- what the enemy tried to use for evil, God turns around for good. On the other side of so many pandemics in history came revival. What if this is the very thing that got you to the edge of your old ways to be able to dig a new well, to prophetically see a new season for the town you're in? What if revival came out of this? What if God used this for the enemy wanted a time you and take away from you but God's favor was greater and he does something supernatural in your life for the next season the blessing is not where you've been it's Jesus our source come on stand to your feet with me sometimes I feel like we say to God anoint my thing but maybe you've got to go to where the anointing is sometimes you're like God anoint what I'm doing But sometimes he's calling you to dig and find where the water is. Sometimes you've got to be willing to trust and while the enemy tries to dry you up, distract you, fight you, show hostility to you, he was never the one that gave you favor. He was never your source of life. And if God's going to turn this next season to joy, what's the servant's responsibility? To find water find Jesus, to position yourself in a place where you can be filled up to the brim so Jesus can do something supernatural in your life. What did Jesus say to a woman at a well in John chapter 4? Anyone who comes to me that's thirsty shall drink of living water. I believe there's living water for you here in these next few days. Weary? You know what? In that John chapter 4, it says, Jesus, wearied from the journey, sat by a well. It's okay to get weary. Just don't stay there. It says we'll reap a harvest if we don't grow weary. It never says you won't get weary. It says don't grow there. Don't stay in weariness. But find yourself a well. Find yourself a place of living water. Find yourself at the feet of Jesus, where life from His vine can flow into your branches where your joy can be filled, yes, your joy will overflow. Allow what's ordinary in you to be cast aside and what is supernatural in Him to fill you up. I believe prophetic pictures are going to come in these next few days. I believe ideas from heaven are going to be deposited into your church. I believe God's going to speak supernaturally and prophetically into your situation. As you abide, quivar, wait, and position yourself to hear from heaven. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. As I abide and wait in Him, I'll be filled with joy. And He'll take what He fills me up with and do something so supernatural that I believe nothing else in your community will compare to the move of God that God does through your church. I want to pray for you today. Two things. I want to pray in these next few days that you have ears to hear. That you stop being the vine and let him be the vine. And you be the branches. And to say, God, I attach myself to you. I lean into your spirit. I wait on your voice. I ask you to fill me to the brim so that I can hear, I can run, and I can go and do what you've called me to do. Every person, just, this is, an odd thing, but I believe it's, sometimes what we do in the natural, I believe is significant to the Spirit. So just want to put your hand near your ears for a moment. Faith comes through hearing, hearing through the Word. I believe as the Word comes, the Word from the Word, the Word from the Spirit, the Word from our speakers, I believe that faith's going to come into your spirit as He deposits ideas, revelation, prophetic words for next season. Holy Spirit, I pray right now in the same way you open deaf ears, Jesus. In the same way through all of Scripture, men and women of God heard your voice and followed your leading. Where impossible ideas were made possible that now inspire us to do what we are called to do. I pray you speak afresh in every person in this room and every person that comes in in the next few days. I pray there would be a download from heaven, gifts from heaven that are put into our spirit. 
I pray that, Lord God, you give us the ability to hear what you are saying and lead us where you are going. I pray that we wouldn't just pray that you would anoint our thing, but I pray, Father, we would search out that living water. I pray that we would dig for that reservoir. I pray that we would go for your spirit. I pray that we would hunger after Jesus. I pray that, Lord God, as we come and we dig and we believe and we search, I pray that we would hear your voice in ways we haven't heard before. I pray like years gone by for some of our pastors and leaders where they heard so clearly for the last season, but now it's gone quiet. I believe that, Lord God, as they say, speak, Lord, I'm listening, that they will hear your voice afresh, that they'll hear that quick, quiet whisper, that they'll see the cloud the size of a man's hand and they'll begin to run and believe so I pray Lord God prophetic pictures I pray new ideas I pray Lord God you would speak into every person every family member every situation that you are doing a whole a new thing that we forget the former things not hold on to the on the past but we believe and know that you are doing something new that you're making ways in the wilderness that you're making rivers in the desert I pray that where there's been a dry season I pray for rivers I pray where there's been no way through. There'd be supernatural ways through. Oh God, let there be a new thing for a new day and a new season. Let there be new wells for new people, a new revival. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. And one last thing. Can we have an honest moment? Maybe just shut your eyes right across this place. Because I don't preach this message out of just rev- out of revelation. It's had to be out of transformation for my own life. If you're here and you say for a moment, hey, I've lost my joy. It's not what it once was. I'm running, I'm working, I'm striving, I'm trying, I'm leading, I'm doing my best. But if we're honest, it's water and it's not joy. Not the kind of joy that gives you strength. Not the kind of joy that people look at and go, there's nothing like that kind of joy. Not the kind of joy that just comes from Jesus. If that's you and you've lost your joy, I believe that in these next few days, God's going to restore to you your joy. It's what David prayed. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. He's the one that gives the oil of joy for mourning. That weeping lasts for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I believe in these next few days, for where there's been weeping, where there's been waiting, where there's been hurting, the joy, the refreshing joy of the Holy Spirit will fill your cup. If that's you, when I was looking, just be bold. Would you just lift your hands to heaven? That's cool. That's cool. I've had to stand here and do the same thing. Father, I thank you that you come to restore our joy. I thank you that your joy is sufficient, that your joy is unspeakable, that there's nothing like your joy. So I pray that as we wait, remain, and abide, that you would fill us with supernatural strength, Fill us with supernatural joy. Fill us up to overflowing that this wedding, this church, and your people would be so marked with dancing and singing and celebration and love that nothing would compare to like our relationship with you. So fill us afresh. Speak to us in these next days. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' glory, everyone said, amen. Can we just thank him? Isn't he so good? Hey, guys. Have an awesome next few days. Come ready. Come on the edge of your toes. Begin to dig. And God's going to fill you up. And you're going to walk out refreshed in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Ben. Let's give Josh a hand. Thank you, mate. I just felt, let's just finish with that song, Speak the Name of Jesus. Now, I love how God doesn't make it difficult to us to be filled with living water, filled with spirit. You want to be filled with God? Just get close to God makes it really easy for us. Because I think just before we go out and eat pasta and drink coffee and fill our bodies with carbs, because carbs are beautiful, let's just, let's just speak the name of Jesus. Let's just speak the name of God over the dirt and the world. Let's just praise God a bit. Is that all right? Let's do it. Let's praise God.